0: The following audio is from Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. For more information about our church, please visit lifebaptistchurch.com. So I was very honored when Pastor Paul asked me to preach today because I know how intentional he is about his messages and who he picks to preach. So when he asked me to preach today, I was extremely grateful Um, and I'm excited today. Like, this is a message that um, has just been burning to me all year, and being able to get it out is just so freeing. Um, but as a pastor, there are, it's imperative that you have messages prepped. It's like you always have to have a back pocket sermon on hand, regardless of any of the situations. But today is different. Now, there's a number of topics that I could have preached on, but because of our last series, um, one, forgiveness confrontation, reconciliation, all out of the question. And I started thinking about, well, New Year's is coming up. I can probably do a sermon on New Year's. But how many of y'all are still working on your New Year's resolutions you made this year? (laughs) Uh, yeah, Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So this process just continued to go on until I was reminded of a conversation I had with Jason. Now, I walk into the office, and Jason's bent over the table. And then he turns around and he looks at me. This is exactly what he does. You want some Christmas crack? (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) wait, wait, what? Now, one thing you need to know is I'm from Chicago. So his definition of Christmas crack did not line up with my definition of Christmas crack. He was referring to this delightful holiday goodness that is both salty and sweet and very addictive. I was thinking of something else that's very addictive. Now, as funny as that might be, this conversation brought me to my message today, and no, it's not about Christmas crack, but it's about how we too have preconceived notions or presuppositions on certain terms based on our upbringing and the things that we experience in life. Now, unfortunately, this happens way too often with biblical terms, but this is where we need to imp- um, implement biblical hermeneutics, and it's just vital to us studying the Bible. Now, don't worry, biblical hermeneutics is not something I'm preaching on today or anything like that. You just need to know that um, it involves these three things, a literal interpretation, a historical interpretation, and that scripture always is the best way to interpret scripture. Now, um, it's it's essential that we do this, because when it comes to terms like eternal life, it's something that we get mixed up a lot as, as um, followers of Christ. I mean, me growing up, I always thought eternal life was life eternal. Said in a different way, I thought that eternal life began when I died. It was a gift from God for a life of faithful service. And as long as I confessed with my mouth, Jesus as Lord and believed in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I was saved and I would go to heaven and spend eternity with him in heaven. But this is a very narrow view of eternal life, and it only left me with more questions and less purpose. I had no idea what I was supposed to do after I placed faith in Christ, nor did I know what this walk was supposed to be like. However, the more and more I read my Bible, the more I searched for the answers to my questions in scriptures, the more I began to see that it has all the answers that i need to live the life that christ intended me to live so if you have your bibles with you i invite you to turn with me to john chapter 17 verse 3. Uh, like i said today i will be speaking on eternal life and um this is the best place in your bible the only place in your bible that you will find the definition for eternal life. There are other references to your Bible about eternal life, but they all talk about obtaining it, looking for it, it being given, who is worthy of it, who is not worthy of it, so on and so on. The list goes on. But this verse is the only one in your entire Bible that gives you a pure definition of what eternal life is. So I would like to go in and break down this verse, but before I do, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. Lord, I pray that it is Your will that's done today, Father. That You decrease, and I— de- I mean, that You increase, Lord, and I decrease. Father, get rid of any pride that is in me. Get rid of anything that will cause um, Your Word not to go forth, Lord. I pray that anything that I've written down is what You would have them to hear, and not what I would have them to hear. Lord, I pray for Your will in Jesus' name. Amen. So. We are in John chapter 17, verse 3. It says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Now, this is the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus documented. Most scholars refer to this as the high priestly prayer. And in the first section, Jesus is talking how the cross would glorify him because it was the Father's will that all who believe in him will have salvation. This was his, his plan. And prior to this, Jesus' disciples were excited. They were eagerly expressing their satisfaction, their satisfaction because they finally knew what he was talking about. Jesus spent his ministry here for three years. And the entire time, his disciples were with him, namely the twelve. And they they were with him from the very beginning, and yet they were often puzzled by the things that he was saying, so much so that he had to go back and reiterate or re-explain what he said. Now, this all led up to Jesus clarifying in his prayer what eternal life is. So like I said, I would like to go down and break down what eternal life is and then answer the next question, what do we need to know about eternal life? So the first one, what is eternal life? Jesus says it is to know God. It is not a mere conscience of unending existence, but a life acquainted with God. When we form a relationship with Him, we see the outstanding realization that eternal life is knowledge, or rather, the pursuit of knowledge in God. The English word know means to be aware through observation inquiry, or information. So for us, once obtained, it serves no further purpose. This is why it is so easy for us to say, oh, yeah, I know. I got it. Hey, if you eat too much Christmas crack, you're going to get a stomach ache. No, I know. I know. I got it. don't, Don't worry about it. I know this already. But this is the same mentality that we take when attempting to know God through the Bible. And I say attempting to know God because knowing about God is not the same as knowing God. Think of it this way. Without a doubt, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever come out of Chicago. (laughs) Some would say that he's even the best ever. Now, at 6'6", 216 pounds, in 1984, he was drafted as the number one draft pick, third round pick overall out of North Carolina. He would go on to score an average of 30 points per game and ending his career with 32,292 points. He would win six NBA championships. Twice he did it back to back to back. He would would be named the MVP for six years. And then he would be named the slam dunk contest two years in a row. In 2014, he was the first NBA billionaire. But if he was to walk through these doors right now, would you say that I knew him? that I knew about him. See, my relationship with Michael Jordan is how most Christians' relationship with God is. It's an intellectual knowledge, but not an intimate one. This is what Jesus prayed for. This knowing God intimately is what he was praying in John seventeen three. The Greek word... Of know means to to come into knowing, to continue to know, knowing. It is a verb that means ongoing. This is the type of relationship that God wants to have with us. It is a matter of personal involvement of the mind, will, and feeling. It involves your entire being to know God. J.I. Packard in his book, Knowing God, says it like this. What are we made for to know God? What aim should we give ourselves in life to know God? What is eternal life that Jesus gives us? Knowledge of God. What is it that brings the most joy in life and gives us delight and contentment? Knowing God. Listen, once you become aware that the main purpose you are here for is to know God, all of life's problems fall by the wayside because they become insignificant in the face of a holy and righteous God that loves and cares for us and desires that we know him. However, the person that sees this only as a religion, a set of do's and don'ts, they can't grasp this. They they, they won't be moved by it. And this is partly because they have a skewed view of who God is. But this is why Jesus continues in John seventeen three, and he says that it is to know God and the only true God, which is my second point. What is it to, what is eternal life? It is to know the only true God. Now the Bible is absolutely clear that there was only one God. These are not in your notes, but if you like to, you can write them down. You can see this in Deuteronomy six four, Mark. 12, 29, Galatians 3, 20, 1 Timothy 2, 5, 1 Corinthians 8, 4, Ephesians 4, 6. And throughout your entire Bible, we see that God is one. There's only one God. But the Bible does not overlook the fact that man makes their own God. The psalmist in chapter 115 says it like this, their idols are silver and gold, the works of man's hand. They have a mouth, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who, who, those who make them will be like them. Everyone who trusts in them. This describes everything that we put above God. This describes everything that is impossible to form a relationship with. This describes everything that takes God's rightful place in our life. It's everything. Anything. The great theologian Charles Hodge says this, Idolatry consists not only of worship of false gods, but also of the true God by images. Knowing the only true God prevents all type of idolatry. Because the more you know him and get in his word and see what he says about himself, you see in Exodus 24, he says, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters or underneath the earth. Because when we do this, it misleads ourselves and it gives us a false idea of of who God is. It puts an infinite being into a finite state The only way to know the one true God is through his revelation of himself in his word. But we often get too busy to take time to know the only true God. Or we dislike what he reveals about himself because it contradicts our own motives or our own desires of what we think him to be, of what we want him to be. Listen, we want him to bless us with every blessing in heaven and earth. But We don't want him to convict us when we follow the lust of the flesh. We want him to bless us with wisdom when we ask, but we don't want to fear him or show him the reverence that is due. We want him to give us the strength when we need it most, but we don't want to be weak so that way his strength can be made perfect in us. This is because at the root of not knowing God, is pride. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty boast in his might. Let not the rich boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands me and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in their earth." For I delight in these things. Now, I understand. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are hard to understand. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are hard to discern. But when we read his word with the intentions of knowing him and spending time with him, getting involved in an intimate relationship with him, he makes it crystal clear. Because the God who delights in his creation knowing him won't keep that from you. Hosea 6.6 6 says, and Hosea 6.6 6 tells us that God delights in loyalty rather than sacrifice, in knowledge of him over burnt offerings. So eternal life is to know God, not just an intellectual filling our heads with facts about God, but a personal, personal, intimate, ongoing relationship with him. It is to know the only true God, not these idols that we create or what we think God to be, but what it says in his word, what he reveals about himself to us. Third, Jesus says, it is to know Jesus Christ, whom he sent. This combination here of Jesus Christ with the Father is proof by implication of the Godhead. This is because knowledge of God and a mere mortal creature could not be eternal life. They knew this back then, that God is holy, and they were not. So for two things like that to coexist would be impossible, would be unimaginable. But that's because Jesus is God. But those who don't know him think this is inconceivable. They can't fathom the fact that he is God because they don't know him. When you don't know Jesus, it is easy to say that he was a good teacher, a wise rabbi or prophet. But this is the equivalent of knowing facts about him versus knowing him intimately. Because when you know Jesus... When you read this word and you see what he reveals about himself, you see that he is the one who rescues us from the dominion of darkness and transfers us into his kingdom. He is the one who redeems us and forgives us of our sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And by him, all things were created, both in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or authorities or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. He is the body, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and is to come. He is king. He he is God. He is Lord of all. Yeah. Listen, those who know God have great energy for God. This, this is where my excitement comes from. This is the, he is the reason for my smile, my joy, my peace. The, the more I get to know him, I, I, I just get overwhelmed by what he shows me. Listen, this entire year has been focused on knowing God, knowing Christ, and making him known. Not only has this been the theme for 2018, but this is the reason why we exist, to know that all may know Christ and make him known. At the beginning of the year, Pastor Paul's first sermon, he said this, there might be people who sit in this very room who listen to preaching of the word week after week and yet step out into a Christless eternity because they did not know the difference between religion and relationship. Listen, our heart's prayer has been from the very beginning that you know Christ intimately. You spend time with him daily that you learn more and more and more about him. This is why on the back of our sermon notes, we have a book recommendation that can help you read so you can grow spiritually to know God. And we also have a verse, so that way you can hide God's word in your heart so that way you won't sin against him. And then you can continue to know God. We have also put in our vestibule this prayer board because prayer is another way where you can know God. You can write down your prayers and put them on the wall and then other people can see that and put their initials at the bottom saying that they're praying for you. They're praying with you so we can all continue to get to know God. We have people praying for you right now. They're in rooms praying that your ears would be open, that your hearts would be receptive, that God's word goes forth. We have people that come in weekly praying over the prayer cards, praying for you, praying daily. We as a staff... Take our time once a week to pray over all of the people in the body. Why? So that all may know Christ and make him known. We, we launched Awana. And let me tell you, God has blessed us with over 100 kids that we are able to pour into week after week after week. These kids are memorizing scripture. They're praying. They're sharing the gospel. They're inviting their friends to church. They're inviting their friends to Awana. They're telling their friends about Jesus. Why? So that others may know Christ and make him known. We've launched a site called Christ Life Resources, and this puts the power back into the hands of the body. So that way, if you know someone that is dealing with anxiety, depression, grief, or their identity, or anything else, you now have the capabilities to provide them with biblically sound, Christ-centered resources for individuals, churches, or ministries to disciple them well while emphasizing the Christ life. Why are we doing this? Because our desire is that you know Christ and make him known, that you know him intimately. Each sermon this year, each sermon series, has been with the intentionality of knowing Christ and making him known. The Gospel of John, so that you may believe. Further with God series, so we can go further with God in faith, in prayer, in intimacy, in service, in love, and in vision. The anatomy of of a relationship So that way we can know the goal, the motivation, the nature, the competition, and the benefits of a relationship with God. One, Christ's prayer for unity. Because the more you get to know God, he allows us to be able to forgive and confront sin and be reconciled. All of this helps us to know God and develop a more intimate relationship with him. Because, listen, it would be pointless, absolutely pointless, to live in a world and not know the God who created it. Because it's this simple. You spend time with God, often in the Word of God, where the focus is on God. That's how you build a relationship with God. That's how you continue to know him and know him more. So as I close, I have three extra points and these are not in your notes, but it answers the question, what do we need to know about eternal life? The first one you already have, what it is, is to know God, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Second, you need to know That you can have it right now. You don't need to wait until you die. Eternal life is offered to us right now where we can know Him intimately. And third, it never ends. Knowing God has no limits, you can continue to know Him. Every single day of your life, listen, you can read, you can study, you can listen to the word of God every single day for the rest of your life, and you will always learn something new about who he is. He will always continue to reveal himself to you because he says, if you seek me first, God delights in us knowing him. People often ask, well, what is is my will? What What is God's will for me? Your sanctification. You knowing him. You spending time with him. This entire year, that was our focus. And if you make any resolutions this year, I ask that that continues to be your focus. If you know God, continue to know him. And know him. And know him. And know him. Because you'll never reach that limit. Even when we get to heaven, we'll be continuing to know God. And One thing that I always tell people that are skeptical about knowing God, I take them to Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you start to read for yourself what he says about himself, it's like Christmas crack. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to know you. God, thank you for the opportunity to continue to know you. Lord, my prayer is that after this day, after this sermon is over, Lord, that you allow each and every person under the sound of my voice to have intimate time with you they can focus on you and get to know you more, Lord. Father, that they get in their word and read more about you. And dear Lord, that they get rid of their preconceived notions and presuppositions and just really see what you have revealed to them, Lord. Father, I continue to pray that hearts are softened, ears are open, and your will be done. pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.